Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 64. And the next day, when two huge ravens landed upon the Skraling's corpse, one on each shoulder, and commenced to peck at its cheeks and eyes, the men knew their sacrifice had been accepted. It was a long winter, and they were hungry, but they were cheered by the thought that when spring came, they would send the boat back to the Northlands, and it would bring settlers and bring women. As the weather became colder and the days became shorter, some of the men took to searching for the Skraling village, hoping to find food and women. They found nothing, save for the places where fires had been, where small encampments had been abandoned. One midwinter's day, when the sun was as distant and cold as a dull silver coin, they saw that the remains of the Skraling's body had been removed from the ash tree. That afternoon it began to snow, in huge, slow flakes. The men from the Northlands closed the gates of their encampment, retreated behind their wooden wall. The Skraling war party fell upon them that night, 500 men to 30. They climbed the wall, and over the following seven days, they killed each of the 30 men in 30 different ways, and the sailors were forgotten by history and their people. The wall they tore down, and the village they burned. The longboat upside down and pulled high on the shingle they also burned, hoping that the pale strangers had but one boat, and that by burning it, they were ensuring that no other Northmen would come to their shores. It was more than a hundred years before Leith the Fortunate, son of Eric the Red, rediscovered that land which he would call Vineland. His gods were already waiting for him when he arrived, Tyr one-handed and Gallo, and Grey Odin, Gallo's god, and Thor of the Thunders. They were there. They were waiting. And that's our page. So we've made it to the end of chapter three. The very start, two ravens are found perched on the hanged man's body the next day. So the Norsemen take this to be a good sign, but it's it's not this time, at least. Actually, given what we know about the end of the novel, maybe it is a good thing, and it's it's good for Odin and bad for them. I hope you're finished the novel, but if you're James from Unabashedly Obsessed, I know that you haven't, probably. So I know some of you are out there. The Tor.com reread points out that more recent studies have shown that Norse ships would have contained both men and women, and there's articles that state DNA evidence points to Norse women traveling as far as Iceland, so it's not a huge leap to think that they would have also traveled to Newfoundland as well. I feel like maybe this would have been updated, but I think the study was from like 2004 or 2008, something like that. The sun's described as a... Uh, cold as a dull silver coin, which is definitely direct contrast to Shadow's coin, uh, how Shadow, well, Sweeney's coin that Shadow gets and gives to Laura. It'll come up again in maybe 15 pages, give or take. There's, there's definitely references to cold coins, though. The sacrifice is removed, and then the snow comes. It could be an indication of Odin's displeasure with the removal of a sacrifice, or it could be something different, like I don't know. I guess it it must just be displeasure with the removal. Either way, the Vikings are killed 30 different ways, their hull is destroyed, the ship is burned, and the expedition is forgotten by history and their people. But not their gods. The gods are waiting for future Viking explorers and also for our book. I may have mentioned Tyr before. I think so, when I was talking about the days of the week. But a bit more information... He's either the son of Odin, per the prose Edda, or son of Hamir, a giant, per the poetic Edda. I've got no doubt that both the American Gods version of Wednesday and Loki would 
be tickled by this historical slash mythological disparity. In mythology, Tyr is described as one-handed, as is mentioned here, because when the gods were attempting to bind Fenrir with a silken band named Glepnir, uh, Tyr placed his hand in Fenrir's mouth as a showing of trust between the gods, and uh, Fenrir was supposed to be able to break out of any binding, and so this very thin silken band uh, was forge of a cat's footfall, the beard of a woman, and a number of other things, but um, when Fenrir realized he could not break out of the binding, Fenrir bit down and Tyr lost a hand. In a show of godly dickery, the other Norse gods pretty much just laughed at Fenrir, knowing that their brother slash whatever relation Tyr was going to lose a hand, and Tuesday comes from Tyr, uh, when he was known in English as Tew, T-I-W, and so Tuesday, uh, similar to Woden's Day or Thor's Day. Tyr was also known as the god of law and justice, though previously had been a war god before this role was subsumed by Odin. There's a lot more about Nier... Mm. There's a lot more about Tyr in Norse mythology, but it's not relevant to the page. I will say, um... I missed it on the previous page yesterday. They noted on page 63 that uh, a man at each shoulder, a man at each leg, the four men making him an eight-legged horse. Eight-legged horse in Norse mythology is, of course, one of Odin's children, or wow, one of uh, Loki's children, uh, Slipnir, I believe... Yeah, Loki seduced a builder's horse to get the gods out of a bad bet, and uh, he was a lady horse when it happened, so he was then impregnated by the horse and gave birth to... I'm finding the line here. A beautiful foal, though it had eight legs instead of the usual four, and it followed Loki wherever he went and nuzzled him and treated Loki as if he were its mother, which, of course, was the case. The foal grew into a horse called Slipnir, a huge gray stallion, the fastest and the strongest horse that ever there had been or ever there would be, a horse that could outrun the wind. And then Odin was uh, Odin received Slipnir as a gift from Loki, which is a little bit strange, I think, because it's your kid, but, well, who am I to judge, I guess. That's it for the page, though. We've made it through Chapter 3. I'll see you back here tomorrow for chapter four. You can get in touch at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.